From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Steven Singer is a public education advocate, a blogger, a former journalist at the McKeesport Daily News. And uh, his career now is teaching. He's a teacher at Steel Valley Middle School, but uh, he continues to write. He maintains a blog called Gadfly on the Wall blog. WordPress.com, and he's included in a new book called United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's uh, published by Garn Press out of New York, and you can get it uh, wherever finer books are sold, including Amazon. And uh, he is concerned about trends in public education. Uh, Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. So you are included in this uh, book called United We Stand, Divided We Fall, and uh, it has a very long subtitle. Give us what the subtitle is. Okay. So the subtitle is Opposing Trump's Agenda, Essays on Protest and Resistance, and What We Can Do to Stop Him. So it's coming, it's coming from a certain point of view, I think uh, it's, it's, it's fair to say. It's, it's anti-President um, Trump, it's anti-the Trump administration, and it's anti-also, I'm, I'm assuming, his Secretary of Education, uh, Betsy DeVos. I prefer to look at it as pro-student, okay. you know, pro-knowledge, you know, pro-facts. But if those things happen to be anti-Trump, well, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> we'll probably get some phone calls on this one, so that's, that's good. Um, or they can go to uh, gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com if they'd like to comment. Your chapter in, in this new book, United We Stand, Divided We Fall, which is, is, is why we wanted to have you on this week, um, is entitled, Trump Says Our Schools Are Flush With Cash, They're Falling Apart. Uh, tell us a little bit about the article. What do you mean public schools are falling apart? Well, it depends really on which schools you go to, because there's a, a huge variance uh, with our schools depending on the students that they serve. And that's really the central problem with education. We have schools in this country that serve mostly poor minority students and schools that serve uh, the wealthy. And these schools are funded based mostly on local property taxes. So if you go to a school like the one I graduated from, I graduated from the Keysport Area School District. Mm-hmm. If you walk into there, I mean, it's a great school. Um, you'll get a really good education there. But, y- you know, you're going to see uh, certain facilities and certain things that are lacking uh, that you uh, would see present if you went into Mount Lebanon School District or Churchill or some of these other places. I don't think that's at all controversial. I think anyone who has walked into um, school in this country um, would see this immediately. Uh, let me play devil's advocate. Uh, Steven Singer is a blogger, a, a teacher in the Steel Valley School District. He's also an advocate for public education. You can read his writing at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com. You can also find it in the new book, United We Stand, Divided We Fall, published by Garn Press, available at Amazon and elsewhere. Um, there have been articles, though. Uh, the, the Tribune Review has run several, uh, pointing out, um, according to them at least, that a, a district such as McKeesport uh, or, or or um, Duquesne, when they still had a high school, actually spends more per pupil than a district in some cases like Mount Lebanon or in Upper St. Clair. Why, why, why do you think that is? 
Well, I mean, I can't speak specifically on the per pupil spending. And yeah, the, my figures, about- my, I don't have the figures at my fingertips, but I've seen those sorts of arguments made that um, this um, district with mostly poor students spends more per pupil than this district with mostly middle class and upper middle class students. Let's, let's leave the na- exact names out of it because I don't have those. Well, certainly, I mean, poor districts that serve poor, poor students have, those students have greater needs. I mean, uh, when you are in, in, in I, at Steel Valley, um, the students I teach uh, in my classes are mostly, um, you know, more impoverished uh, minority students in my classes. And I see it in my students. The needs they have are much higher than you get when, when you're serving mostly wealthy middle or middle class, you know, white students. Um, I have students that are traumatized by the violence that they uh, live in every day. Um, the fact that when you have a student um, that doesn't, their, their parents just don't have the same kind of resources as a wealthy parent, they don't have the books in the home, they don't have the um, structure that uh, other parents are able to provide. So when these, parent, when these students come to school in kindergarten, they're already behind the other students. So it would just make sense that districts that serve poor students would have to spend more money just to try to uh, give these students the services they need, uh, the counseling services, um, the, ability, the availability of food and, uh, and um, tutoring, and I mean, so many different things that these students need. Um, so I think it would make sense. Stephen Singer is an education advocate. He's a public school teacher in the Steel Valley School District. He maintains a blog at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com where he writes about education issues. And he's included in a new book called United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's out from Garn Press. You can get it on Amazon and elsewhere. Um, as you mentioned violence, and as we're, ta- as we're taping uh, this week's show, uh, just a few days ago uh, in McKeesport, we had an eighth grader from uh, Founders Hall Middle School who was shot, um, not in the school, thank God, uh, but uh, shot uh, while he was visiting a, a home uh, in, in the city of McKeesport, 14 years old. Um, the family is obviously devastated. His classmates uh, are devastated. Uh, how does this distract? I mean, I can only imagine because I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not that old to remember when I was, when I was, what I was like when I was 14. How much does that distract from the educational environment in a city school district? It's funny you mentioned that particular incident because I have a student who's related to that particular oh, student. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Um, so, I mean, I saw, I saw this firsthand. Um, you know, uh, that particular student was incredibly upset. Um, and it, it definitely impacts students. Um, for, it's hard to believe for, for someone like me, uh, a white middle class person, um, this is not what I grew up with even though, you know, I, I, I live in the McKeesport area. But um, for many of these students, this is life for them. This is uh, what they, uh, they are used to. They're used to the sound of gunshots. Uh, they're used to um, people that they know being hurt by gun violence, um, being victims of drug abuse or um, sexual abuse or parental abuse. I mean, this, these are their lives. And um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a distraction, it is the norm. And it's what we deal with um, every day. Um, so as teachers, we do our best to be there for our students because it's so much more than just teaching them the material. You have to be there for them, you have to make sure that they know they can come to you and talk to, 
talk about things, that they have people they can talk to, there are services available for them. Um, and sometimes you do have to sort of pause a lesson or put a lesson on the back burner and deal with, you know, w- what, w- whatever presents itself on that day. And uh, that happened uh, just, uh, just yesterday. Well, uh, Stephen Singer is an education advocate. He's included in a new book called United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's published by Garn Press. Uh, in, the, in the chapter that you write for the book, uh, one of the things that you mention is that um, the United States, and, and certainly this is something, this is certainly the practice in Pennsylvania, is uh, one of the only countries in the industrialized world that funds its schools based largely on local taxes. In Pennsylvania, that is property tax. Um, why is that unfair? Because I mean, you know, the the we've we've heard often over the years that that government that governs best is the one that's local and close to the people. So why shouldn't people in McKeesport pay for McKeesport schools and people in West Mifflin pay for West Mifflin schools and people in Peters Township pay for Peters Township schools? I think it does make sense for. I mean, local control is very important. It does make sense that the people in the local district are the ones who are making decisions about. Uh, what is taught uh, and how money is being spent for their students. But that doesn't mean that those local people, those local municipalities, have the resources to uh, give the students what they need. So uh, I think there's there's sort of a, a disconnect there, that we need to find a way that every student, no matter where they're you know, where they live, no matter who their parents are, no matter what color skin they have, get the same resources or at least equitable amount of resources. They get the resources they need. And that probably does mean that poorer students need more resources than more wealthy students. But it's something we have to be able to provide them or else we're not giving everyone an equal opportunity to succeed. And I think that really is, you know, the foundation of, uh, of our country, and it's certainly the foundation, it should be, of our public education system. Um, so I think it's, you know, very important. Uh, this is not to be, you are a teacher in the Steel Valley School District, but this is not to beat up on the Steel Valley School District, or it's not to beat up on any of our local uh, school districts. Um, we actually had Dory Taylor on last week to talk about remake learning days in uh, the Mon Valley School District. So there's a lot of good stuff going on in these school districts. But I, I guess what I'm wondering is, um, with some of the kids that you serve, uh, who are coming maybe from poorer neighborhoods, what sorts of, we talked about violence, but what sorts of other impacts? does the poverty have? I mean, are, are these kids coming to school hungry in some cases? Now, the one really good thing that we had in the last several years in terms of uh, state policy, um, I can't remember the name of it, but we, we have a new, um, a new way of uh, providing breakfast and lunch for our students. If uh, a school or a district has a certain level of poverty, um, all the students in that school or in that district get free lunch and for breakfast. Um, uh, my daughter, for example, goes to um, the Keysport Area School District. She gets free lunch and breakfast um, because of this program. And there's no stigma um, for any of the students. You know, it doesn't mean that you, know, you can't afford it or not. This is just something that is provided for all students. And it has really been a huge benefit for all students. I see it. It's also at, at uh, Steel Valley schools that all students have this immediately available. So it has made a huge difference. When I taught high school um, at uh, McKeesport, actually, um, I had to have a drawer full of food for students who were hungry. Um, I had to provide much more. I mean, now, you know, sometimes you need a little bit, you know, to help certain kids, but kids aren't coming in as hungry 
as they were before. And some kids, you know, one of the main reasons they come to school is because they know they're going to be fed. There's a there's um, a public so, service announcement uh, about that, that, um, ki- you know, it's it's a bunch of kids saying, give me a math test, give me a, a spelling test, give me, I want to go to school because I'm hungry. It's true. Yeah. It's de- I mean, there's no doubt that some students come for the, for the hot meal. We are overdue for a quick 30-second break. When we come back, I, I want to ask you about uh, some of the other things that you write about uh, in your chapter in this new book, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's published by Garn Press. It is available on Amazon and everywhere else. Our guest is Stephen Singer. He's a school teacher in the Steel Valley School District. He's also a blogger. Uh, and uh, you can find his writings at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com. You're listening to Radio 81. WEDO, 1550 and 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Tube City Online has reached a critical point in our history where we need to raise money from the public to continue providing information both online and on the radio. If you can help by making a donation, we would very much appreciate it. Go to our website, TubeCityOnline.com, and click the Donate button. And thanks for supporting independent media in the Monioc area. And we're back. Our guest this week is Stephen Singer. He's a teacher in the Steel Valley School District. He is also a public education advocate. You can find uh, his writings at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com, or you can buy the new book uh, in which he has contributed. It's called United We Stand, Divided We Fall. And what's the subtitle, Stephen? Opposing Trump's Agenda, Essays on Protest and Resistance, and What We Can Do to Stop Him. Okay, so probably half the listeners will like the book and half of it the won't. Uh, it's available from Garden Press uh, in New York. You can find it on Amazon or uh, anywhere that you buy books, uh, as opposed to anywhere that you buy uh, cotton candy. Uh, anyways, I don't know why I felt I had to throw in where you buy books. Uh, we've been talking about education funding. And I guess one thing that I should ask you about then is, does that mean that these schools are all low achieving? Because that's one of the things that uh, President Trump has said when he was a candidate was that uh, public schools are failing and that students are being left behind. You say that that's not true. I'm glad you brought that up because that is probably the most pervasive myth about public education out there today. America's schools are not failing. There is a link between uh, student poverty and standardized test scores, but that does not mean that our schools are failing because those compare, whenever you talk about standardized test scores, you're already away from achievement. Standardized test scores are not achievement. This is something we all knew as kids. If you give someone a multiple choice, still in the bubble test, that is not the best way to assess whether they know something. If it's something really simple, sure. But if you're trying to get to something complex, like ability to read and understand what you're reading, the standardized test is a terrible assessment. When it comes to uh, international test scores, because that's really where this myth comes from, this idea that, wow, you know, all these other countries, these kids... They so we're comparing them to countries tests. in Europe and Australia, Asia, Africa, wherever. That's what you're talking about. Exactly. Okay. Whenever we make those comparisons, whenever we say, wow, kids in, in Shanghai and kids in Finland and all that, they get, their, their test scores are so much higher than ours, that's the problem because you have to understand you're not comparing apples to apples. Many of, we are one of the few countries that gives an education to everyone. 
many of these other countries that we're compared with don't do that, or they stop schooling at a certain age for everyone. So already you're comparing all of the students in the United States with the highest achievers in other countries, because students who don't do well in, in these other countries, especially once you get to middle school and high school, um, these students don't continue on with their schooling. So it's not a fair comparison. Moreover, very few of these high-achieving countries have the same level of poverty, child poverty, that we do in the United States. And the United States is so much bigger than most of these other countries. Sure. So um, you have to take all these things into account. Um, so I think it, it's a total misnomer. The fact that if, if, if the United States had the level of poverty of a place like Finland, our test scores would be the highest in the world. You, you write, if Finland had the same level of poverty we do, their scores would be lower than ours. You, you write so that, you gotta take that, into account. that high school graduation rates are, you, you say, at an all-time high of 83.2%. So, you know, are, are kids just being pushed along? Because that certainly no. would be the argument, right? Again, it depends on, you know, the metric you're judging by. Mm -hmm. Standardized test scores is only, it's, it's one thing. A standardized test score is a data point. It's how well did this student do on this test in one day. When you're looking at students' grades, which up to this point have been really the, the largest component of whether a student gets to graduate, that's yeah. looking at what that student did over 180 days in school. So a student's grade is a much better indicator of what they've learned than what they see in a standardized test score. Um, so uh, students have... Today, students, the things they have to do to graduate, it is so much more than you and I had to do. Um, you know, but now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I keep seeing these things on Facebook that are supposedly, you know, 1914 spelling test or 1932 history test or whatever. And supposedly, if these things are even accurate and they're not faked, they're so much more difficult than what today's uh, high school students are, 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 are doing. You're saying that actually our kids are doing a lot more. Than, than grandpa and grandma did. Well, I can't speak to grandpa and grandma. Grandma's. In particular. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, talking about you and me. Okay. But, you know, when it comes to grandpa and grandma, I mean, the I have seen those things, and it's, it's always fascinating to look at that and see, you know, what they were teaching and so forth. Um, again, you know, whenever you get, you don't have to go back too far to find a time when compulsory education wasn't, um, something that we had uh, in all the states of the Union. Um, you know, when schooling was a, a, a one-room uh, schoolhouse where you had uh, students who uh, wouldn't graduate, right. who would only go as far as they needed, and then they'd go off to the farm and so forth. So, I mean, yeah, once you got to a certain level of schooling, um, you know, with a focus on Latin and so forth, I mean, there was a certain... Uh, well, there are some subjects that, like Latin that, for the most part, they don't teach anymore because i you know i hate to say this to anyone out there who's listening who might be studying latin right now it's just not a lot of call for latin there is a lot of call for people who can do higher math and computer programming not a lot of call for latin scholars that's definitely true but in the, <laughs> but that would have been a true. common thing for kids to learn in the 1910s or 1920s definitely and also you got to look at um the uh the insularity of the curriculum they had back then i mean back then i mean it was all just white male authors, you know. I mean, that, that's pretty much what you read. I mean, except for maybe, um, gosh, I'm trying. Harriet I'm Beecher trying Stowe, maybe, uh, or yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
pretty much just you know uh, that. And today, um, we have made such a so many strides in uh, including multicultural voices. Um, you know, women. Um, what students read today is so much more um, a picture of the world in which we live in than if they were reading just the canon of um, those dead white males. So I. You know, I think I think what students are learning today is much better and certainly a more robust curriculum than even in Grandpa and Grandma's day. Stephen Singer is a public school teacher. He works in the Steel Valley School District. He is also a blogger. You can find his writing at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com. He is a public education advocate and activist, and he's included in the new book, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's published by Garden Press. You can get it through Amazon or, as I said earlier, anywhere that books are sold. We have one more quick break to take. When we come back, I want to talk about um, some of the ways that people, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles can uh, help make a change, okay? Besides buying the book, obviously. (laughs) Uh, We'll wrap up in 30 seconds. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email tubecitytiger at gmail.com. We're back for a final few minutes. Our guest this week, Stephen Singer. He is a public school teacher at Steel Valley uh, Middle School in Munhall. He is a blogger. He is an advocate for public education. You can find his writing at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com. I think we may have worked briefly together at the Daily News. I can't remember if we overlapped or not. Um, there was a lot of change at the McKeesport Daily News in those days. Uh, and uh, you can find him in the new book, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's published by Garden Press, and it's available from Amazon and elsewhere. Um, so there, there's kind of a mixed message. In the, and actually, the chapter that you wrote in the book um, kind of talks about this mixed, you know, this mixed message or this misleading message, because I talk to people like our teachers here in the McKeesport School District or over in the Woodland Hills School District or you in the Steel Valley School District, and I meet some really neat smart, motivated kids like the robotics club at McKeesport High School or the, the, some of the things that they're doing um, up at Steel Valley or Woodland Hills. There's some really great kids. But then I hear this message that, as you say, you argue that public schools are not failing. Actually, more kids are graduating than at any time in U.S. history. And it sounds like they're doing more with less. Is that right? Definitely. Okay. So what can, you know, someone listening to this, whether they have kids in the public school system or whether they don't, maybe they have a niece or nephew, grandson, granddaughter, what can they do? I mean, how, how do they get involved? Because like, I, I think, you know, we drive past our public schools and we kind of feel like, you know, if you don't have kids in the school, it's kind of like a sealed black box and you don't know what goes on in there. Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is uh, for parents, definitely you want to opt your children out of standardized testing. That's number you one. You can I've do that? My own, yes. Okay. I've opted my daughter out of standardized testing. Um, in, in fact, it, it's interesting. With the state-mandated tests, they take them uh, starting in third grade, third through eighth grade, uh, they take each year, and then they have to take at least one in high school. And these are so the fill-in, the, the, the bubble tests, and, and in Pennsylvania, what are they called? 
it's the PSSA, the Pennsylvania System of School Assessments for up, up through middle school, and then there's the Keystone exams in the high school. And in but my the problem it, is it's. In my day, I think we had standardized tests, but I think this became much more of an issue after 2001, after the No Child Left Behind Act was passed. Am I correct about that? Exactly. Okay. That's what really ramped all this up. Because your funding, um, your funding in the public school, to some extent now, is based on your standardized test scores, right? Exactly. Okay. And, and even in many cases, whether the school can stay open right. or whether the school can stay under local control. Okay. Um, so it's very important, I'd say, number one... Um, Opt your children out of testing. And even if they're younger than third grade, when my daughter was in kindergarten, kindergarten, they were giving her standardized tests. Does, don't um, the, if you opt your student out, and I don't want to do, get too deep into the issue, but if you opt your student out, doesn't that potentially hurt the school if the students are not being tested? If a school gets a certain percentage of students not taking the test, it can count against the school. Okay. That's true. However, it never has. The state and federal government have never... Um, actually gone through with it because it leads to um, a conflict of interest, the fact that you have the public, the taxpayers, the voters saying, look, I don't want to do this, and now you're telling us we should? Who are you? You're supposed to represent us. Right. So, I mean, it does not hurt your school to do this. Um, I think it's very important, and it starves them of that data that they use to try to say, oh, your school is failing. No, it's not failing. Look at the authentic assessments. So that's number one. Number two, regardless of whether you have uh, students or children in the school, you need to be active in your district. You need to go to school board meetings. You need to pay attention to what's going on. You need to see what's happening and be a part of the solution. Um, number three, I would say you need to be aware of what's happening nationally uh, with education and um, to speak up Whenever, uh, you know, this crazy stuff comes down from the federal government, um, you know, with, with Betsy DeVos, you mentioned Betsy DeVos, our education secretary, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of phone calls came to people like Pat Toomey telling them, hey, we don't want this know-nothing Republican mega-donor who's barely stepped in a public school. Op- opinions of Stephen Singer education. do not represent them. Those of this radio station. Go on. I'm teasing. Go ahead. <laughs> Yet that is the view of many people in uh, this state and across the country. The fact that she is the first um, Secretary of Education, at least, to uh, be approved, uh, it had to go to Vice President Pence to break the tie. To cast the tie-breaking vote. I mean, this is incredibly controversial. And the fact that so many people, the phones are ringing off the hook. People were faxing Pat Toomey to get so because he turned off the phone. Right. You know, so uh, people are starting to wake up. They're starting to understand what's happening. And, and there's a huge grassroots, grassroots movement of people out there who are saying, this is crazy. We have to stop. In the, in the, last, minute or, in the last minute or so, what about on the state level? Because the state of Pennsylvania here has had trouble passing a budget for years. And now we're hearing that there's basically a structural $3 billion deficit hole that, that the state is going to need to plug to get a budget passed this year. What about on the state level? Because a lot of stuff in Pennsylvania, as in other states, in education is done on the state level. Definitely. You'd have to be aware of what's going on at the state level, and you have to be active. I think one of the big problems we have in Pennsylvania is the incredible amount of gerrymandering. We are one of the worst gerrymandered states 
in the country. It makes it very difficult for the legislature to really represent the people. Um, so we have to make sure that, you know, uh, that our representatives, whoever they are, are actually working for us. And in, uh, in, in the McKeesportsville Valley area, the people we have representing us for the most part are doing that. However, they need to understand exactly what it is we, we need them to do. And also, uh, when it comes to the governor, we have to make sure that he is doing what we need him to do as well, to block um, legislation that comes out through, from the gerrymandered legislature that would be harmful. And for the most part, he's been doing that as well. Stephen Singer is a public school teacher. He is a former journalist and now a teacher and education advocate. You can find his blog at gadflyonthewallblog.wordpress.com. He's also included in a new book called United We Stand, Divided We Fall. It's published by Garn Press. You can get it from Amazon or from any book dealer. Um, Stephen, uh, we'll probably get some uh, comments and uh, we maybe we'll have you back on to uh, answer the comments, okay? That would be great. I'd love to. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Stephen, and thank you all for listening to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.